This is a podcast from the Queen City Podcast Network. All right. Well, hey, everyone. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Charlotte is Creative podcast. I'm sitting here next to my uh, co-founder at Charlotte is Creative, Tim Miner. Hey, hey, that's very Ed McMahon <laughs> of you. And we have a very special guest who we're going to introduce in just a moment. But I need to just say first that I feel very grateful to be sitting here actually just being able to talk <laughs> because, uh, you know, we're recording this episode immediately following the October 6th Creative Morning Charlotte event featuring the one and only C.T. Anderson as our speaker on the theme of endurance. And we had it at the NASCAR Hall of Fame. We are actually sitting in a conference room at the NASCAR, NASCAR Hall of Fame um, uh, offices right Broadcasting now. Broadcasting from the August Halls That's of right. the Hall That's of right. Fame. And Tim and I were the first two people to go over the edge to rappel down a 10-story building across the street in support of the NASCAR Hall of Fame Foundation. Tim, I'm just, I'm still sweating a little bit. <laughs> like it literally just, just happened. I mean, How you, did you, have, you did have three layers on. That's right. Plus the harness. I, I'm great. Um, I, I probably dragged you into this to some degree <laughs> because the uh, Again. Uh, Bethany Esto at the NASCAR Hall of uh, Fame Foundation said, "Hey, last year they're like, hey, can you want to do over the edge and and." Uh, we couldn't do it. We had like a timing con- conflict yeah, or something. Right. And so when the chance came around again, she's like, would you like to do over the, and I'm like, yes, yes. I'd like <laughs> to do it. Even yes. think. It didn't even get to the end of the sentence. And then Matt was like, yes, but I got to hand it to you, man. When the, when the time came, we're up there in full Batman and Robin regalia. Thanks to CT Anderson. Yes. Who yes. Made the costumes upcycled Batman and Robin. And, and our, our posteriors were literally hanging over Martin Luther King Boulevard. Yep. Um, you were a rock man. At the, we were going down the building and you're like, hey, buddy, I'm coming, buddy. I'm coming for like, you. Don't it come was, that fast. It was nervous energy. Don't, don't, yeah, but you were a rock star, man. Like, Thank you. Well, same same to you. And uh, hey, we did it. Just another day at Charlotte's Creative. There is another li- day at the office. I think that but at this point... I'd like to think of that over the eight years. We have proven that there is, at this point, and I'm going to use the word right, literally <laughs> nothing that you and I won't do to to advance the cause of arts, culture, and creativity you're, in the Queen City. I think you're pretty much right, my friend. Pretty but much it right. It was an exhilarating experience, and thank you to, uh, to Bethany. Thanks to um, the NASCAR Hall of Fame Foundation. Thanks to the NASCAR Hall of Fame, period, and, and the, the CRVA. CRVA for letting us do uh, creative mornings here. It was incredible in this facility. And uh, and doing it in the in in aid of helping kids in Title One schools, raising money for that. And if you're listening to this, and you feel so inclined, please do go to the NASCAR Hall of Fame Foundation's website. You can make a donation. It will be put mobilized and put to use in this community. That's right. So it, you know, up to this point in this particular podcast episode, you might think that you and I repelling down a building was the centerpiece of the morning, and it actually was not. Twas it not. was not <laughs> the centerpiece of the morning was C.T. Anderson, who is sitting here with us at the NASCAR Hall of Fame. Hi, C.T., how are you doing? Hi, Matt. Um, <laughs> this is cool. This is really cool. Thank you, you got, so much for having me. You've got that post-speech that post speech glow, <laughs> right? It's that mixture of, I to when, when we came down the building and you were there to greet us, we were like, 
standing in front of a in front of a crowd with a microphone and a podium that is way scarier than mm. than rappelling down a building and you did it how do you feel i feel good but you guys did both you stood in front of people <laughs> and you went down the building um, well, but the crowd was great I, I enjoyed it thank you it's been a, a real honor and pleasure to get to know you over the last few months. We were introduced by a mutual friend at um, Crescent Communities, Lisa Focus. Yeah. And um, and almost immediately upon meeting, I'm like, oh my gosh, how have you not been on our radar at this point? And how do we get you, you up on our stage, on our platforms, like shine a big bright light on the incredibly creative, innovative work you're doing? So tell us a little bit first about Spring Clean and any anything else you want to uh, just kind of highlight in terms of that creative upcycle fashion uh, work that you're doing out there in the world. Absolutely. Um, well, first, Lisa Focus is awesome because she made my slide twice. I, did, <laughs> I shared some slides earlier today about people who mean a lot to me and in my life. And so she's a great friend and, you know, a colleague. So She's a great friend to a lot of people in this yes, town. And yes, not yes. to take anything away from your friendship, but Lisa is... As we say, she, both she and her husband Rob yeah. are the kinds of people that um, that go forward and help others. You know, as I've raised my daughters, I say, you know, at a certain point in your life, you have to decide whether you're going to stand in line with everyone else or you're going to take that step forward and and diverge from the crowd. And both Lisa and Rob are those kinds of people. Yes, we won't uh, do the who's better friends thing, but yeah. <laughs> oh, I'm not. I'm I, I'm not. I'm not in competition on that at all. <laughs> I'm just happy to know them. Um, I'm decent. No, I really, really, really um, am into sustainability. I've been working in corporate sustainability for over 20 years, but I also am a bit of a quote-unquote fashionista and candidly was contributing to all the stuff that I work on during the day in my day job at night by going and shopping. And, you know, I know the numbers. I know the impact of climate change. I also know that people don't really want to hear that. Mm. You know, folks are just want to get by and, and, and be happy and enjoy life. And so a few years ago, I started researching what I could do to have a minimize my environmental impact. And I couldn't find a place to recycle my clothes. I couldn't find a place where I was like, I know they're not going to throw it away. Because I know what happens sometimes when you donate clothes. All of it doesn't get sold. Mm -hmm. And so what happens afterwards is a very long story we won't go into, but it ends up in landfill somewhere, mm. maybe in this country, maybe in another country. Mm. We can't track it. Mm -hmm. um, and so I decided to start this company, Spring Clean, about people cleaning out their closets and not throwing it away. And the very first thing I did was I told somebody, I was designing in a sketchbook at the 7th Street Public Market. This was before COVID. And this guy walks up to me and he's like, are you a fashion designer? And I was like, yeah. I had never designed anything, but why not? I was sketching. He's like, I'm having a fashion show. I was like, okay, cool. I was in this fashion show. I literally hired a woman off a of Facebook marketplace to help me sew because I didn't know how to sew at that time. Mm. That was four and a half years ago. Wow. And now we have about a rotating group of about 10 to 15 artists at any time that come and do workshops where we take clothes that are donated, mostly from large companies. So we've had stuff donated from the Spectrum Center and the Charlotte FC and, you know, Folks like that, Bank of America, companies that donate their old banners or old promotional items or T-shirts, and then we make cool things out of them. Wow, that's <clears throat> that's amazing. And what's so funny, I mean, you know, this morning you created these awesome upcycled Batman and Robin costumes for Tim and I to come scaling down this building. By the way, thank you uh, for giving us nice like um, forgiving spandex. Yes, yes, <laughs> we appreciate that. The costume. That's right. Um, and you know, I don't know as much about uh, the comic book world as as uh, my friend Tim here does, <laughs> but I do know that 
Batman is also Bruce Wayne. So he's got like, you know, an alter ego. He's got these two lives. You are kind of in that camp too. You have two lives, right? You have this corporate life and then you have this nonprofit creative life. What is that like? Is it frustrating that people don't know that you're like alive and active in both of those worlds? Do you like the fact that you're kind of able to move back and forth between those sectors? What's it like to be bad girl i don't know I, there's there's batwoman now batwoman oh i like it yeah who is the woman that was a Catwoman? that's Catwoman. who i want to be because you, you want to be selena kyle i got it her outfit is just the best oh all absolutely. the cat women that have like eartha kid eartha holly Kitt. berry like there's like a list julie of newmar yeah Ju- uh, oh my gosh uh, i forgot uh, about michelle julie? michelle pfeiffer, michelle pfeiffer. Uh, zoe kravitz and uh, the list goes on uh, the list, uh, i'm forgetting one anne Georgia. hathaway Wow. I didn't I didn't oh, see the oh, Anne Hathaway and, version. And, and um oh I'm forgetting her name now. She was also the green woman on Star Trek. Darn it. Oh no, she was Batgirl. Sorry. No. Catwoman, that's all. But yeah, Eartha Kitt had the best voice though. But they all have the badass outfit. Can they I do. say that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yes. fine. Yeah, absolutely. Like that's what I want to be. I know it's different and I actually yeah. don't really like cats, but I like the outfit. So <laughs> it works out. Again, back to Again, it's here. the fashion it's aspect the, of it. I, I mean it is Catwoman is generally considered the most fashion forward. Correct. And not a villain or or a a hero. Just does what must be done. Yeah. I think that's who I am. That that's the that's 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 the one I, I that's right. the persona I accept. I like that. I used to be really ashamed of all the pieces of myself, if I'm being honest with you, um, mm-hmm. Matt. And I spoke about that this morning. I would try to hide different parts of myself or change to fit different rooms. Now it's kind of enlightening. That I get to say, and people are like, "Oh, I saw you speak at this. Oh, don't you work at the bank? Don't yeah. you?" It's like, it's like aren't you- you're everywhere, kind of. Right? Yeah, 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 yeah. And uh, I've always been that way. Yeah, but um, yeah. Now I've I've authentically step into it and embrace it. And Charlotte has been so supportive of me. My family has been supportive, and so here we are. So being more visible and transparent about about the kind of the way that the, these different parts of your life connect. And sort of celebrating that is um, kind of a new chapter for you, it sounds like. 100% new chapter. Um, yeah. It feels it feels good. But I do, you know, when you change, you want to go back to your old ways. Mm-hmm. There are times when I want to walk into a room and I don't want to say anything. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But then someone will say something or someone will walk up to me and I was like, I got to share. I got to uh, The number of times that I've said to Matt, like... You know, we walk into a meeting and I'm like, you, I, I really feel like I need to be quiet this time. I got to keep my opinions to myself. I don't, we don't need any, you know, you, you, you take the lead. And I know Matt's always patient and says like, oh yeah, I'll do that. Knowing full well that I just can't <laughs> sit there and can't someone. I, you can't help yourself. You can't help yourself. No. no. And you were talking to me before that, you know, being ADHD or having ADHD is something that you've, you've struggled with or you've contended with, right? Yeah. So when, how old were you when you discovered that you were, you had ADHD? I was in my twenties. So I was 40 when I finally figured it out. How did, did that, was that a source of clarity for you? Was it scary? How have you learned to kind of reconcile that with who you are or how you show up in the world? It was first, okay, I got to get medication so that I don't have to deal with this. Hmm. Something else to be ashamed about. Um, something, something else to fix or solve for. But yeah, like okay, and so I did that for about five years, and then I didn't like how I acted on the medic. Like I didn't like what it did to my body, and so I weaned myself off. Um, and so then I had to figure out how to d- 
deal with it without, you know, external substances. And so I have all my little practices. Being more creative, actually having my creative pursuits is a huge part of that because my brain is on all the time. Right. And so if I can focus on manipulating fabric or designing something or talking to an artist or developing a workshop or coming up with an event, like then that energy can be channeled in the appropriate way. Yeah, I... Um, my wife is very not ADHD and she's always saying like, uh, you just can never stop thinking about things. And I'm like, you can't. So like, all you got to do is adjust to it. And I tell her a lot that I will do, if I have to focus, I'll try to multitask and do something else in my case, or listen to something, watch something. I say, it's like, okay, I've got an old man and a toddler in my brain and I've got to give the toddler something to play with so the old man can focus and do that work. But if I, I, so I was like in my forties when I kind of figured it out and, and that kind of stuff. And I was into the, well, this is just who I am phase. I didn't struggle with it as much, but just figure out how do I contend with this? How do I integrate it? How do I reconcile it with what, how I have to be? And in the end, I consider it on most days a superpower because I can be doing something real while also generating ideas for something else. But it is a beast that you got to tame and you got to be okay with it. It's just another part of growing up and being okay with who you are and saying, okay, this is me. And I, I 100% with you that finding creative outlets is a, is a really necessary way to kind of tame that. I agree. Someone explained it to me. I think his wife was um, also has ADHD and he said she's on the cleaning out the dishwasher portion of hanging up her curtains. <laughs> like you have these multiple steps of every little thing and people who are, if somebody were to follow you through your day and you walk and you're like, oh, let me pick that up. Let me pick that up. Squirrel, squirrel. And you do all those things right. together. But at the end of the day, you probably got 80% of the things that you set out to do done. Right. Which is what most people do. Right. Mm. Yeah. I think also, though, for some people like us who are overachievers, and I'm owning that now that that's what's been put into my head, is that we have to give ourselves grace that we do it in our own way. Right. And so that was a long way of saying that I'm just learning to give myself grace. Mm. I, I think that's maybe that's the biggest key of all is um, – you're never going to get there. You know, I, my parents are in their seventies, um, your parents are in their seventies, Matt. And I, I remember saying to my father at one point, like, uh, when did, when do you have it all figured out? He's like, when I get there, I'll tell you, mm-hmm. you know, it's a long process. We were born with all this stuff and then it gets impacted by life along the way. And yeah. so we're always on a course of self-discovery and you're right. Some of it is being, record saying I'm okay with this you know like or it just it is what it is and then giving yourself the grace and on good days I remember to do that yep that's right so when we came to to ask you to speak at creative mornings and we told you that the um that the theme was endurance (laughs) I'd love to kind of go back in time to that moment and and get your thoughts about what that felt like and and I don't know if you heard or read because our friend Meredith Dean read our manifesto in French this morning. Great job, Meredith. That was awesome. Uh, But in English, there's a phrase that says that that a creative life requires bravery and hard work. Yes. And to me, I feel like endurance is like the love child of bravery and hard work. It's sort of snug in right in between those two words. Yeah. Um, And you, you lead a supremely creative life. So I'd love to hear just your thoughts about 
gosh, when we brought you that word, did it just land for you and you were just like, oh, that makes total sense? Or did you have to kind of live with it for a little while and lean into it? I immediately thought, am I going to tell the truth or am I just going to give them the, you know, the nice sheen of a speech? That's the first thing I thought of because endurance is just literally my life feels like endurance. Yeah. Um, I shared this a little bit this morning. I'm like, I'm a gay black woman who's a practicing Christian who works in corporate America and has a creative nonprofit on the side. Like I live in the middle all the time. I endure so much with all the stuff going on in my head that we just talked about. Right. And so... It was like the perfect word, but I didn't, I was like, should I go there? Like, should I really go there? Yeah. That's the very first thing I thought was, should I really go there? Mm. And, and you the did. answer is I did, but I wasn't sure if I was going to when you mm. first told me. Yeah. I, and I, I, we had talked about the, the creative warnings audience a little bit in preparation. I, did you feel like they gave you the love back? They did. Oh my gosh. There was a point where the mic literally dropped. And they were like, mic drop. Like, oh, <laughs> Thanks, guys. I, yeah. I think, you know, they are consistently heart-led people. And, and that vulnerability, I think that's one of the hardest things about being an adult is we're not supposed to oftentimes be vulnerable. Right. Um, but it is that vulnerability that I believe helps us endure. Because if you keep that bottled up all the time and you don't find a, a, a healthy outlet for it yeah it's going to tear you down and yeah you're carrying a lot of a lot of weight um (laughs) well it's a lot of it's a lot of dichotomies and and to me and what i'm learning now that i'm 50 it's like the ability to hold dichotomy as as a human yeah and and be able to reconcile the two or at least look at both of them and say both are true yes (laughs) corporate world creative world gay woman, Christian, like, and you can hold both of these dichotomies and be uh, cool with it. Like that's incredible. That's a evolved being. Okay. Well, I like it. And I don't know if you've experienced this, but I think I've seen sometimes being a, a vocal Christian in the creative world can be a yeah. challenge too, because there are, there are a lot of creatives that I've encountered that have been had, they've been mistreated by a church. They've yes. been misunderstood by a church or just felt unwelcome. Yeah. And that's another kind of wall you got to work through and say, look, I don't know about your experience, but, th- but now you're, now you're dealing with me. Yeah. I say all the time, I use the word creator to describe the being that most people know as God. But I sometimes just, because I grew up with it, I say God. And, and I'll say that to folks that I know. They're like, I, I'm going to use God. We can talk you, about whatever. You use your word. But it's all We're good. talking about yeah. the same source here. Where do you turn to stay in touch with the city around you? Broadcast news isn't what it used to be. And commercial radio doesn't scratch that itch. If only there was one place you could get it all. When you want, wherever you want, on your schedule. There is the Queen City Podcast Network. Listen to your city on your schedule at queencitypodcastnetwork.com and everywhere you get your podcasts. If endurance is the the force that propels us through this crazy yeah. <laughs> dichotomous life that we're in, right? Like what are you, what are your tricks? What what are the what are your sources that you f- dig into or life hacks or just what are the things that you turn to when you are like I need to endure to this to the next step here? How am I going to do that? 
Um, yeah. What comes to you? Just breathe. Breathing. Um, when I was going through some stuff a few years ago, this was actually before COVID. So by the time COVID came around, I was ready. Mm. All y'all were like, oh my gosh. So I'm like, I did this I got already. This. <laughs> um, I started uh, meditating and I didn't really know how to meditate. So I did one of those guided meditation apps and it was like five minutes. Cause I was like, this feels weird because in my mind, I thought meditation meant that your brain had to like shut down. Mm. And, and you, we already talked about like ADHD. What? Like it doesn't go blank. Mm-mm. I meditated every day for two years straight, five minutes guided meditation. When I stopped, I noticed a difference mm. and I was like, Oh, that actually helped me. I need to go back to I that. I can go back to do that. <laughs> so now I just do it. I do probably 10 or 15 minutes every day, and I don't need the guided anymore. Sometimes I'll do guided. Um, I shared a, a, a quote, um, my happiness, I am worthy of happiness, and my happiness is grounded in love. Mm. That was something I heard on um, the Peloton meditation app. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I should, probably shouldn't say a sponsor, but whatever. It's or fine. A corporation. All good. Anyway, long story short, meditation. But meditation the way you like to do it. Yeah. For me, it's literally, I can put a timer on my device, my watch, and just for five minutes, just breathe. Hmm. And do you do it at a particular time each day or is it different times? I meditate in the morning almost every day, but some, t- some days are more busy than others yeah. and I will need to step away. I actually did that here right before I got on the talk. I went into the bathroom and I just... Nice. Yeah, you just have to do it sometimes. And so that helps me to just... Because everybody has to breathe, and breathing just brings you back down. When you focus on your breath, you actually slow down breathing. Absolutely. And it just, even my 20-something-year-old son who doesn't listen to anything that I say, (laughs) when I told him that, he's like, okay, I can breathe. That works. Do you have a favorite place that you like? I mean, I assume it's not a public restroom. I assume you have a favorite place in the world that you, if given all the choices, this is where you love to meditate. The funny thing is, is I actually don't like public restrooms at all. <laughs> that is like you can put me down for one of those as well. So it's like my not happy place. Although I, I must say, the NASCAR Hall of Fame, very clean restrooms. I'm yes. gonna say, excellent facilities. The excellent facilities. But I have Thank to you. say, I'd be a little nervous if you're like public restrooms. <laughs> Do my best work, but you know, happy place. <laughs> Some people don't have the phobia that I have. Yeah, yeah. So being able to meditate in a public restroom, that's that's evolution and endurance, let me just say. Yeah. It's, it's, that's like that was saying, that's this good is, level. Yeah. That I is sleep n- anywhere. Knowing yeah. yourself and saying, this is what I need at this moment, this too shall pass. Yes. Um, I love to travel. Mm. And so this is going to be so stereotypical and so sappy, but it's true. The two places where I've had the most phenomenal meditative experiences happened to be in Indonesia and India, Mm -hmm. the places that you would think, but not in the places that you would think. Mm -hmm. Like I wasn't at an ashram in India when it happened. I did go to an ashram, by the way, and that's a whole nother story we can have. Um, And I wasn't on in the spiritual retreat in in Bali when I did it, but I was in those countries or those places when I felt those experiences. And I think it was because I had calmed down enough to be able to enjoy and contemplate. So now when I meditate, I try to bring those experiences. There's a place that I stayed in Bali where it was all made of tree houses. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. So, so it's like an Ewok village. Yes. And so I just imagine myself in the tree house that I stayed in yeah. or one of the tree houses. Yeah. And I'm like, this is awesome. Wow. But usually, honestly, I'm, on, I'm in my bed. Like yeah. before I get out of bed, like I get up, you know, do whatever I need to do. And then I'm like, oh, I got to meditate. And I might get back in bed and meditate even after taking a shower. Wonderful. 
That's my favorite Love place. I, I'm going to have to, I'm going to take you as inspiration because I've tried meditation many times and have not, have not reached the point of quieting my mind. Enough. It's not about quieting. That's mm. another thing. I probably Observing. Should. It is just letting it do what it does. Yeah. But if you focus on the breath and not the brain, mm. then you can get through it. Okay. Yeah. All right. I, I'm going to give it, you a, give you've it inspired a me to give it another crack. Okay. Yeah. Well, CT, we've talked a lot about, um, you know, how we process information and how we show up in the world, but yes. I'm really interested. What was it about sustainability? Cause you said earlier that this is something, this is not a, a flash in the pan. This is a 20 year love affair. How did you get exposed to it? What about it spoke to you and said, you need to make this a significant part of your life? It actually happened way before I started working in it. Um, so sustainability is cool now. People know when you say it, what you mean. People have jobs in it. You can get a PhD in sustainability now. When I went to school, that did not exist. And so that wasn't a thing. But when I was in sixth grade, one of my teachers used to say, read Newsweek every week. That's how you stay up to date. Wow. So we, that was our responsibility. We had to read Newsweek and share some article or something like I that. I didn't start reading Newsweek until high school, like sixth yeah, grade. That's it pretty was cool. 10th grade. I mean, I don't know if we had the same teacher, but in 10th grade, you got a subscription to Newsweek and the, and the expectation you, you were going to read it cover to cover. Every yeah. 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 So oh, that, and shout out to the innovation barn, which was featured in Newsweek. Yes. As Charlotte is way one of the go, most Amy. sustainable city. Yeah. Way to go, Amy. Yeah. I forgot about that. Um, so, I was reading and I saw some stuff in there. I thought I wanted to be a scientist. And so I saw some stuff in there about science and they, they were talking about photovoltaics, solar, solar panels. But they didn't say, it wasn't solar, it, solar panels wasn't in the lexicon then. It was mm -hmm. the whole like photovoltaic, like all that. And so I wrote a story about it. And I was like, for me, because I, this is another thing about being vulnerable. I grew up in a religious sect that is cult-esque. Mm -hmm. My mom may listen to this, so she doesn't like it when I use the word cult. But very, very close-knit, insular type of community. And so I would go to school and not fit in because mm -hmm. we had all these other rules. And so when I read the science, the, the thing about the panels, and it was about harnessing the sun for energy, I was like, God created the earth. God created the sun. And so all of a sudden, I was like, this is, I can do this. Mm. I'm, you know, I'm a human being and this matches exactly what I study because I went to church five days a week, right. what I study at church. And then at school, it brought my two worlds together. So sustainability brought my two worlds together when I was a little kid, like wow. when I was like 12 years old. And then later on in life, I got a chance to, I was working one of those volunteer groups in corporate and someone's like, oh, CT, my job is um, to run this environmental volunteer group and I'm getting ready to um, go to a new job. I think you'd be good for it. You should apply. Okay. I applied for the role. 200 people applied for that role and I got it. Wow. Meant to be. It changed my life. Wow. That was my first corporate sustainability role. Haven't looked back since. When you, when you first started, was that a tough sell when people were still kind of like yeah it's just oh people didn't know what i did right um we were the department that you know cut the first my old manager called me recently um and he actually he actually was talking to me about the things that i'm doing on the banking side i was working in retail before and he said uh he confessed to me that he got a, a double promotion once he left sustainability wow because i asked him he's like you stayed in sustainability i'm like yeah why didn't you He's like, I'm gonna be candid with you. They gave me more money the moment I left that department. And I was like, is that why I don't I got more so? money now. I got more things I can buy and recycle. 
but he's calling me because yeah. I stayed in it because right. now I'm the expert. Right. But I'm an expert in something that nobody wanted to be an expert in 15 years ago. Mm. But now. But now I'm the cool kid. Now That's you're right. the cool kid with all the experience. You <laughs> yeah, know? yeah. But yeah, it's sustainability just touched me and it started with the learning about solar panels. Wow. Go Newsweek. Everybody subscribe to Newsweek. If you're <laughs> you know, to my daughter is in sixth grade and it's just a, a great reminder that that is such a formative moment in your life. And, and it's so important to be surrounded by really great teachers and, and other, um, you know, figures in your life who can yep. really sort of point out these pathways. Yeah. You know, what, education well, is the key. Yeah. And it's like we said earlier, you step that line. Yeah. You know, the, the, the quote unquote wise approach, right. Would have been to just go where the money is, right. but you went where your mind and your heart led you. And that, um, and that's made all the difference, right? Sorry, Robert Frost. I stole from you right there. <laughs> well guys, I mean, I wasn't raised to be an executive. I wasn't raised to work in, I wasn't raised to work outside of the home. Mm. I was raised to be a housewife. Mm. So the fact that I actually am not that, I've already broken the mold. Wow. Yeah. yeah. So I didn't know, I don't, I don't know what it, I mean, I didn't study business and I tell people that all the time. I didn't study business, I didn't study finance, any of that stuff. And they're like, CT, but I just follow whatever works. Because mm. I, I don't have that rule book. Right. I would Matt and I are birds of a feather with you on that too. Like there's no, that's actually why we're passionately committed to teaching business capacity, maybe not systems, but through our programs for creatives, we just want them to be familiar with the concepts. Right. Because when we started our nonprofit, we thought we had all the answers and you rapidly figure that's not <laughs> right. But if you have a respect for learning and for putting your own spin on things rather than burying your head in the sand, to me, that's worthwhile and sometimes I feel like studying something like that while I wouldn't discourage it you can get rigid before you've ever even got started you know it's the kind of you ever see that movie back to school with Rodney Dangerfield yeah where he's my favorite scene is when he's in that business class and the professor is explaining about a perfect world scenario of like how supply chain works and then he starts talking about well you're gonna bribe this guy and then this guy's gonna undercut you and <laughs> yep. you know like What's Rodney Tang- yeah it takes him he's like that's not how it goes you know but <laughs> but I love it it's like you got to have the understanding but then you got to be ready to endure because they ain't gonna go the way that it's in the textbook can I ask a question yeah why did you guys set up creative mornings as a nonprofit? Well, Creative Mornings, our chapter of Creative Mornings is a part of a global community of chapters. Yes. Um, it's one of our programs at our, at our nonprofit, Charlotte is we, Creative. We manage it as volunteers as part That's of the right. nonprofit. That's right. Okay. And so um, so Charlotte is Creative is our 501c3 that we that we set up. And the work that we are, are doing felt so um, community, in, in so, so much in service of the community. Yeah. That at that inflection point where we had to decide, well, we're either going to go for profit or not for profit. Um, our hearts were telling us that it felt like it fit in a not for profit um, sort of model. Okay. Um, there have been times along the way that we're like, did we pick the right path? <laughs> and I still today feel like we did pick the right path. But it's um, it's in, it's also interesting to see the the similarities between for-profit and not-for-profit journeys, you're still trying to figure out where your next dollar is yeah. going to come from. Exactly. So, you know? yeah, I would I would say I think it was a situation of we didn't know what we didn't know, right? That's part of why we're passionate about educating creatives when they're at that inflection point. Because right. they'll come and say, oh, should I be a non-profit? Should I be a 501c3 or should I be an LLC? And we say, okay, stop. Don't make a rash judgment. 
go talk to a lawyer, go get, right. get your, you know, why are you doing this? Why are you doing anything? Cause yeah, there are days um, that we say maybe this could have been a for profit <laughs> or should have been. I, I will say that regardless of the way you go, we both believe fervently that nonprofits at some level should be managed as if it's a for profit yeah. business. Right. Um, if only to diversify your income stream to say, okay, yeah, it's about sustainability. There's, you know, hey, if donations Uh-oh. dry up and grants dry up, hey, you can do work for hire as long as you abide by these rules. You right. know, if this and I that that discipline of understanding every dollar matters, right. that you know, you have to market yourself, you have to work for it. Um, that's made a difference, I think, in how we've done things and so yeah but yeah i think it was a case of ask us tomorrow if if we would rather be a for-profit or not-for-profit and probably gonna vacillate a little bit that's awesome i think it's awesome what you guys are doing I, i'm not very good at the marketing part of it and you guys do a great job well it helped that i'm a was a marketing director and matt was a copywriter oh. so that was <laughs> <laughs> that, oh, yeah. that part we had down now plenty we look plenty at our other books at the end of year one and you're gonna go what the, you know, <laughs> not that anything was wrong. It's just, they're just aspects where I'd always worked with an accountant. Right. right. And you had to be your own accountant. And you have to be your own accountant and you have to come up with your own charts and you have to, you know, you have to understand, um, it's not so much rules. It's just disciplines. Of right. How to account for things. And then there's plenty of other, you know, when you hire someone, you got to know HR stuff, you got to know. And, um, yeah, yes, it, just like we're getting to know ourselves every day, you're getting to know your, business or your nonprofit intimately every day. How long before you hired somebody to end onto Charlotte is creative? Four and a half years. Cause Matt and I, we were, it was a pretty much a voluntary thing for the first three years. Passion project on the side sort of a thing. Yep. And then, um, we both came full time into the nonprofit in 2019. And then it was, we hired Michaela Binter in 2022 at the end of like September yeah. of 2020. Of course we had, we had Melissa Dorsch as a Yeah, and we do have contract people that have helped us out a lot. Uh, Melissa Dorsch is amazing. Now we got yeah. Sethu Raval who's yeah. incredible too. Um, so small but mighty team, right? Awesome. So important. What is what is next for you? Do you want to spend more time in your creative nonprofit world, uh, less time in corporate? Do you do you want to stay kind of a boot in each camp? What's next for you and what's next for for, for spring clean and your other initiatives? I'm an entrepreneur. So the day that I get to work on all of my businesses on my own time, never really your own time, but that's what people tell you. I already know it's not true. <laughs> um, that would be great. I love the folks that I work with at the corporate world. I just want to work with them on the other side of the fence. Sure. Right. Yeah. Respect. So, that's coming soon. CT, here's where I'd love to land today. We've touched on a lot of big topics right endurance sustainability vulnerability identity (laughs) connection dichotomy on and on it's a very adhd conversation it certainly is (laughs) because you got two-thirds of you know you're outnumbered on this one matt but just at this moment in in this conversation if there was one message you wanted to send your fellow creatives in charlotte uh i don't know what, what is your heart calling you to say to your fellow creative entrepreneurs out there I lead with love. That's authentic to me. I think you should be authentic to why you created in the first place. Mm. I sold my very first piece of art this year for the first time. Congratulations. I'm an artist. And the funny thing is, is that I developed, it was a series of canvases um, using upcycle t-shirts. 
And I created it not because I was trying to sell it. As a matter of fact, when I went to the event, it was going to be just a display of what could be. And the guy's like, I want to buy that. Mm. What's the price? I didn't have a price. Mm. Which most people who know me, I'm not, I don't play with my money. So mm-hmm. I always have a price. Mm. <laughs> and it's usually probably 10 times more, whatever you're thinking. That's mm. by the way, that why you're going to be here 10 years from now. <laughs> <laughs> I always have it. And so I didn't have a price. I literally made it from love. Mm. And that was the first thing that he wanted to buy. Not the stuff that I had on the table for, for, <laughs> for sale. Isn't that something? So just remember why you did it for the fir- in the first place, and you'll keep going. Wow, I love that. That's a great message to land on for sure. I, I love that. Totally, I totally agree. This has been a privilege. This is not the last time we're going to talk or do things together. I'm really one thing too. I have to say before we leave CT is you know we're very well aware of and had been to the innovation barn uh, before, but um, preparing for this talk and doing that, and then we got hooked up with with Amy and yeah. just really in awe of what's going on in that facility. And, and to, if you're listening and you've not been to the innovation barn, um, make a go online, find it, go there. If you need an excuse, they've got a great coffee shop called change, please. Um, but just walk around and see. And if you are a creative who needs materials, boy, are you going to love it at the innovation barn because on any given day, but then they have special days where you can go and grab materials and, and use them in upcycled art. Let's not let this stuff go into landfills and, you know, at best let's mobilize it or even better than that is let's turn it into art that we can sell and, and help creatives have a great career. Amen to that. How can folks follow and or support you? Yes. So Spring Clean Global is us on Instagram. And when you think of Spring Clean, our tagline is you clean out your closets. We make beautiful things. Oh, that's great. And then Innovation Barn CLT. So you can find events and things that we do on both of those sites. C.T. Anderson, it's so awesome that uh, we get to call each other friends now that we're I in the know. same circles and rooms now. And uh, Y'all can't, I can't get wait. rid of me now. No. Yeah, no, I can't wait to see what our next uh, our next collaboration is. So thank you so much for you and for everything you're doing out in the world. We appreciate you. Thank you both. And Matt, I'll see you back here a month from now Yeah, when we will sit down to uh, speak with DJ Fannie Mae yep. after her November uh, talk at uh, Creative Morning Charlotte. I might just have to put my upcycled Batman costume back on just, just to I, feel that energy I'm again. I'm gonna, I look to see how you justify that, but I will enjoy it thus. <laughs> Okay, good. It'll give me time to fix the pieces that were messed up this morning. Perfect. Now, you did a tremendous job. Thank it you very so much. I, it was so uh, fun. Um, it was like an extra security blanket going down that. that Aww. Uh, there you that go. You guys did great. Made with love. There you go. Exactly. We felt the love. It was insulated with love. Thanks for listening, everyone. Awesome. Queen City Podcast Network.com.